Chapter Four of Summer on the Lakes in 1843. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summer on the Lakes in 1843 by Margaret Fuller. Chapter Four Chicago Again chicago had become interesting to me now that i knew it as the portal to so fair a scene i had become interested in the land in the people and looked sorrowfully on the lake on which i must soon embark to leave behind what i had just begun to enjoy now was the time to see the lake the july moon was near its full and night after night it rose in a cloudless sky above this majestic sea the heat was excessive so that there was no enjoyment of life except in the night but then the air was of that delicious temperature worthy of orange groves however they were not wanted nothing was as that full light fell on the faintly rippling waters which then seemed boundless a poem received shortly after from a friend in massachusetts seemed to say that the july moon shone there not less splendid and may claim insertion here triformis so pure her forehead's dazzling white so swift and clear her radiant eyes within the treasure of whose light lay undeveloped destinies of thoughts repressed such hidden store was hinted by each flitting smile i could but wonder and adore far off in awe i gazed the while i gazed at her as at the moon hanging in lustrous twilight skies whose virgin crescent sinking soon peeps through the leaves before it flies untouched diana flitting dim while sings the wood its evening hymn two again we met o joyful meeting her radiance now was all for me like kindly airs her kindly greeting so full so musical so free within romantic forest aisles within romantic paths we walked i bathed me in her sister smiles i breathed her beauty as we talked so full-orbed cynthia walks the skies filling the earth with melodies even so she condescends to kiss drowsy endemians coarse and dull or fills our waking souls with bliss making long nights too beautiful three o fair but fickle lady moon why must thy full form ever wane o love o friendship why so soon must your sweet light recede again i wake me in the dead of night and start for though the misty gloom red hecate stares a boding sight looks in but never fills my room thou music of my boyhood's hour thou shining light on manhood's way no more dost thou fair influence shower to move my soul by night or day o strange that while in hall and street thy hand i touch thy grace i meet such miles of polar ice should part the slightest touch of mind and heart but all thy love has waned and so i gladly let thy beauty go now that i am borrowing i will also give a letter received at this time and extracts from others from an earlier traveller and in a different region of the country from that i saw 
which i think in different ways admirably descriptive of the country Quote, and you too love the prairies flying voyager of a summer hour but i have only there owned the wild forest the wide-spread meadows there only built my house and seen the livelong day the thoughtful showers of the great clouds color with all transcendent browns the untrampled floor of grass there has spring pranked the long smooth reaches with those golden flowers whereby became the fields a sea too golden to o'erlast the heats yes and with many a yellow bell she gilded our unbounded path that sank in the light swells of the varied surface skirted the untilled barrens nor shunned the steep banks of rivers darting merrily on there has the white snow frolicsomely strown itself till all that vast outstretched distance glittered like a mirror in which only the heavens were reflected and among these drifts our steps have been curbed ah many days of precious weather are on the prairies you have then found after many a weary hour when time has locked your temples as in a circle of heated metal some cool sweet swift gliding moments the iron ring of necessity ungirt and the fevered pulses at rest you have also found this where fresh nature suffers no ravage amid those bowers of wildwood those dreamlike bee-sung murmuring and musical plains swimming under their hazy distances as if there in that warm and deep background stood the fairy castle of our hopes with its fountains its pictures its many mystical figures in repose ever could we rove over those sunny distances breathing that modulated wind eyeing those so well blended imaginative yet thoughtful surfaces and above us wide wide a horizon effortless and superb as a young divinity i was a prisoner where you glide the summer's pensioned guest and my chains were the past and the future darkness and blowing sand there very weary i received from the distance a sweet emblem of an incorruptible lofty and pervasive nature but was i less weary i was a prisoner and you plains were my prison bars yet never oh never beautiful plains had i any feeling for you but profoundest gratitude for indeed ye are only fair grand and majestic while i had scarcely a right there now ye stand in that past day grateful images of unshattered repose simple in your tranquillity strong in your self-possession yet ever musical and springing as the footsteps of a child ah that to some poet whose lyre had never lost a string to whom mortality kinder than is her custom had vouchsafed a day whose down had been untouched that to him these plains might enter and flow forth in airy song and you forests under whose symmetrical shields of dark green the colours of the fawns move like the waters of the river under its spears its cymeters of flag where in gleaming circles of steel the breasts of the wood pigeons flash in the playful sunbeam and many sounds many notes of no earthly music come over the well-relieved glades should not your depth pass into that poet's heart in your depths should he not fuse his own the other letters show the painter's eye as this the poet's heart springfield illinois 
May 20, 1840. Yesterday morning I left Griggsville, my knapsack at my back, pursued my journey all day on foot, and found so new and great delight in this charming country that I must needs tell you about it. Do you remember our saying once that we never found the trees tall enough, the fields green enough? Well, the trees are for once tall and fair to look upon, and one unvarying carpet of the tenderest green covers these marvellous fields that spread out their smooth sod for miles and miles till they even reach the horizon but to begin my day's journey griggsville is situated on the west side of the illinois river on a high prairie between it and the river is a long range of bluffs which reaches a hundred miles north and south then a wide river bottom and then the river it was a mild showery morning and i directed my steps toward the bluffs they are covered with forest not like our forests tangled and impassable but where the trees stand fair and apart from one another so that you might ride everywhere about on horseback and the tops of the hills are generally bald and covered with green turf like our pastures indeed the whole country reminds me perpetually of one that has been carefully cultivated by a civilized people who had been suddenly removed from the earth with all the works of their hands and the land given again into nature's keeping the solitudes are not savage they have not that dreary stony loneliness that used to affect me in our own country they never repel there are no lonely heights no isolated spots but all is gentle mild inviting all is accessible in following this winding hilly road for four or five miles i think i counted at least a dozen new kinds of wild flowers not timid retiring little plants like ours but bold flowers of rich colors covering the ground in abundance one very common flower resembles our cardinal flower though not of so deep a color another is very like rocket or phlox but smaller and of various colors white blue and purple beautiful white lupines i find too violets white and purple the vines and parasites are magnificent i followed on this road till i came to the prairie which skirts the river and this of all the beauties of this region is the most peculiar and wonderful imagine a vast and gently swelling pasture of the brightest green grass stretching away from you on every side behind toward these hills i have described in all other directions to a belt of tall trees all growing up with noble proportions from the generous soil it is an unimagined picture of abundance and peace somewhere about you are sure to see a huge herd of cattle often white and generally brightly marked grazing all looks like the work of man's hand but you see no vestige of man save perhaps an almost imperceptible hut on the edge of the prairie reaching the river i ferried myself across and then crossed over to take the jacksonville railroad but finding there was no train passed the night at a farmhouse and here may find its place this converse between the solitary old man and the young traveller solitary my son with weariness thou seemest spent and toiling on the dusty road all day weary and pale yet with inconstant step hither and thither turning seekest thou to find aught lost 
or what dark care pursues thee if thou art weary rest if hungry eat traveller oh rather father let me ask of thee what is it i do seek what thing i lack these many days i've left my father's hall forth driven by insatiable desire that like the wind now gently murmuring enticed me forward with its own sweet voice through many leaved woods and valleys deep yet ever fled before me then with sound stronger than hurrying tempest seizing me forced me to fly its power forward still bound by enchanted ties i seek its source sometimes it is something i have lost known long since before i bent my steps toward this beautiful broad plain of earth sometimes it is a spirit yet unknown in whose dim imaged features seem to smile the dear delight of these high mansioned thoughts that sometimes visit me like unto mine her lineaments appear but beautiful as of a sister in a far-off world waiting to welcome me and when i think to reach and clasp the figure it is gone and some ill-omened ghastly vision comes to bid beware and not too curiously demand the secrets of that distant world whose shadow haunts me on the waves below but now i gazed warmed with the setting sun who sent his golden streamers to my feet it seemed a pathway to a world beyond and i looked round if that my spirit beckoned that i might follow it solitary dreams all my son yes even so i dreamed and even so was thwarted you must learn to dream another long and troublous dream the dream of life and you shall think you wake and think the shadow's substance love and hate exchange and barter joy and weep and dance and this too shall be dream traveller oh who can say where lies the boundary what solid things that daily mock our senses shall dissolve before the might within whose shadowy forms freeze into stark reality defying the force and will of man these forms i see they may go with me through eternity and bless or curse with ceaseless company while yonder man that i met yesternight where is he now he passed before my eyes he is gone but these stay with me ever that night the young man rested with the old and grave or gay in laughter or in tears they wore the night in converse morning came the dreamer took his solitary way and as he pressed the old man's hand he sighed must this too be a dream afterwards of the rolling prairie quote, there was one of twenty miles in extent not flat but high and rolling so that when you arrived at a high part by gentle ascents the view was beyond measure grand as far as the eye could reach nothing but the green rolling plain and at a vast distance groves all looking gentle and cultivated yet all uninhabited i think it would impress you as it does me that these scenes are truly sublime i have a sensation of vastness which i have sought in vain among high mountains mountains crowd one sensation on another till all is excitement all is surprise wonder enchantment here is neither enchantment nor disappointment 
but expectation fully realized i have always had an attachment for a plain the roman campagna is a prairie peoria is in a most lovely situation in fact i am so delighted that i am as full of superlatives as the italian language i could however find fault enough if you ask what i dislike but no one did ask it is not worth while where there is so much to admire yet the following is a good statement of the shadow side Quote, as to the boasts about the rapid progress here give me rather the firm fibre of a slow and knotty growth i could not help thinking as much when i was talking to e the other day whom i met on board the boat he quarrelled with boston for its slowness said that it was a bad place for a young man he could not make himself felt could not see the effects of his exertions as he could here to be sure he could not here he comes like a yankee farmer with all the knowledge that our hard soil and laborious cultivation could give him and what wonder if he is surprised at the work of his own hands when he comes to such a soil as this but he feeds not so many mouths though he tills more acres the plants he raises have not so exquisite a form the vegetables so fine a flavour his cultivation becomes more negligent he is not so good a farmer is not this a true view it strikes me continually the traces of a man's hand in a new country are rarely productive of beauty it is a cutting down of forest trees to make zigzag fences the most picturesque objects to be seen from chicago on the inland side were the lines of hoosier wagons these rude farmers the large first product of the soil travel leisurely along sleeping in their wagons by night eating only what they bring with them in the town they observe the same plan and trouble no luxurious hotel for board and lodging in the town they look like foreign peasantry and contrast well with the many germans dutch and irish in the country it is pretty to see them prepared to camp out at night their horses taken out of harness and they lounging under the trees enjoying the evening meal on the lake side it is fine to see the great boats come panting it from their rapid and marvellous journey especially at night the motion of their lights is very majestic when the favourite boats the great western and illinois are going out the town is thronged with people from the south and farther west to go in them these moonlight nights i could hear the french rippling and fluttering familiarly amid the rude ups and downs of the hoosier dialect at the hotel table were daily to be seen new faces and new stories to be learned and any one who has a large acquaintance may be pretty sure of meeting some of them here in the course of a few days among those whom i met was mrs z the aunt of an old schoolmate to whom i impatiently hastened as soon as the meal was over to demand news of mariana the answer startled me mariana so full of life was dead that form the most rich in energy and colouring of any i had ever seen had faded from the earth the circle of youthful associations had given way in the part that seemed the strongest what i now learned of the story of this life 
and what was by myself remembered may be bound together in this slight sketch at the boarding-school to which i was too early sent a fond a proud and timid child i saw among the ranks of the gay and graceful bright or earnest girls only one who interested my fancy or touched my young heart and this was mariana she was on the father's side of spanish creole blood but had been sent to the atlantic coast to receive a school education under the care of her aunt mrs z this lady had kept her mostly at home with herself and mariana had gone from her house to a day school but the aunt being absent for a time in europe she had now been unfortunately committed for some time to the mercies of a boarding school a strange bird she proved there a lonely swallow that could not make for itself a summer at first her schoolmates were captivated with her ways her love of wild dances and sudden song her freaks of passion and of wit she was always new always surprising and for a time charming but after a while they tired of her she could never be depended upon to join in their plans yet she expected them to follow out hers with their whole strength she was very loving even infatuated in her own affections and exacted from those who had professed any love for her the devotion she was willing to bestow yet there was a vein of haughty caprice in her character a love of solitude which made her at times wish to retire entirely and at these times she would expect to be thoroughly understood and let alone yet to be welcomed back when she returned she did not thwart others in their humours but she never doubted of great indulgence from them some singular habits she had which when new charmed but after acquaintance displeased her companions she had by nature the same habit and power of excitement that is described in the spinning dervishes of the east like them she would spin until all around her were giddy while her own brain instead of being disturbed was excited to great action pausing she would declaim verse of others or her own act many parts with strange catchwords and burdens that seemed to act with mystical power on her own fancy sometimes stimulating her to convulse the hearer with laughter sometimes to melt him to tears when her power began to languish she would spin again till fired to recommence her singular drama into which she wove figures from the scenes of her earlier childhood her companions and the dignitaries she sometimes saw with fancies unknown to life unknown to heaven or earth this excitement as may be supposed was not good for her it oftenest came on in the evening and often spoiled her sleep she would wake in the night and cheat her restlessness by inventions that teased while they sometimes diverted her companions she was also a sleepwalker and this one trait of her case did somewhat alarm her guardians who otherwise showed the same profound stupidity as to this peculiar being usual in the overseers of the young they consulted a physician who said she would outgrow it and prescribed a milk diet meantime the fever of this ardent and too early stimulated nature was constantly increased by the restraints and narrow routine of the boarding-school 
she was always devising means to break in upon it she had a taste which would have seemed ludicrous to her mates if they had not felt some awe of her from a touch of genius and power that never left her for costume and fancy dresses always some sash twisted about her some drapery something odd in the arrangement of her hair and dress so that the methodical preceptress dared not to let her go out without a careful scrutiny and remodelling whose sobering effects generally disappeared the moment she was in the free air at last a vent for her was found in private theatricals play followed play and in these and in the rehearsals she found entertainment congenial with her the principal parts as a matter of course fell to her lot most of the good suggestions and arrangements came from her and for a time she ruled masterly and shone triumphant during these performances the girls had heightened their natural bloom with artificial red this was delightful to them it was something so out of the way but mariana after the plays were over kept her carmine saucer on the dressing-table and put on her blushes regularly as the morning when stared and jeered at she at first said she did it because she thought it made her look prettier but after a while she became quite petulant about it would make no reply to any joke but merely kept on doing it this irritated the girls as all eccentricity does the world in general more than vice or malignity they talked it over among themselves till they got wrought up to a desire of punishing once for all this sometimes amusing but so often provoking nonconformist having obtained the leave of the mistress they laid with great glee a plan one evening which was to be carried into execution next day at dinner among mariana's irregularities was a great aversion to the meal-time ceremonial so long so tiresome she found it to be seated at a certain moment to wait while each one was served at so large a table and one where there was scarcely any conversation from day to day it became more heavy to her to sit there or go there at all often as possible she excused herself on the ever convenient plea of headache and was hardly ever ready when the dinner-bell rang to-day it found her on the balcony lost in gazing on the beautiful prospect i have heard her say afterwards she had rarely in her life been so happy and she was one with whom happiness was a still rapture it was one of the most blessed summer days the shadows of great white clouds empurpled the distant hills for a few moments only to leave them more golden the tall grass of the wide fields waved in the softest breeze pure blue were the heavens and the same hue of pure contentment was in the heart of mariana suddenly on her bright mood jarred the dinner-bell at first rose her usual thought i will not cannot go and then the must which daily life can always enforce even upon the butterflies and birds came and she walked reluctantly to her room she merely changed her dress and never thought of adding the artificial rose to her cheek when she took her seat in the dining-hall and was asked if she would be helped raising her eyes she saw the person who asked her was deeply rouged with a bright glaring spot 
perfectly round in either cheek she looked at the next same apparition she then slowly passed her eyes down the whole line and saw the same with a suppressed smile distorting every countenance catching the design at once she deliberately looked along her own side of the table at every schoolmate in turn every one had joined in the trick the teachers strove to be grave but she saw they enjoyed the joke the servants could not suppress a titter when warren hastings stood at the bar of westminster hall when the methodist preacher walked through a line of men each of whom greeted him with a brickbat or a rotten egg they had some preparation for the crisis and it might not be very difficult to meet it with an impressive brow our little girl was quite unprepared to find herself in the midst of a world which despised her and triumphed in her disgrace she had ruled like a queen in the midst of her companions she had shed her animation through their lives and loaded them with prodigal favors nor once suspected that a powerful favorite might not be loved now she felt that she had been but a dangerous plaything in the hands of those whose hearts she never had doubted yet the occasion found her equal to it for mariana had the kind of spirit which in a better cause had made the roman matron truly say of her death wound it is not painful petus she did not blanch she did not change countenance she swallowed her dinner with apparent composure she made remarks to those near her as if she had no eyes the wrath of the foe of course rose higher and the moment they were freed from the restraints of the dining-room they all ran off gaily calling and sarcastically laughing with backward glances at mariana left alone she went alone to her room locked the door and threw herself on the floor in strong convulsions these had sometimes threatened her life as a child but of later years she had outgrown them school hours came and she was not there a little girl sent to her door could get no answer the teachers became alarmed and broke it open bitter was their penitence and that of her companions at the state in which they found her for some hours terrible anxiety was felt but at last nature exhausted relieved herself by a deep slumber from this mariana rose an altered being she made no reply to the expressions of sorrow from her companions none to the grave and kind but undiscerning comments of her teacher she did not name the source of her anguish and its poisoned dart sank deeply in it was this thought which stung her so what not one not a single one in the hour of trial to take my part not one who refused to take part against me past words of love and caresses little heeded at the time rose to her memory and gave fuel to her distempered thoughts beyond the sense of universal perfidy of burning resentment she could not get and mariana born for love now hated all the world the change however which these feelings made in her conduct and appearance bore no such construction to the careless observer her gay freaks were quite gone her wildness her invention her dress was uniform her manner much subdued 
her chief interest seemed now to lie in her studies and in music her companions she never sought but they partly from uneasy remorseful feelings partly that they really liked her much better now that she did not oppress and puzzle them sought her continually and here the black shadow comes upon her life the only stain upon the history of mariana they talked to her as girls having few topics naturally do of one another and the demon rose within her and spontaneously without design generally without words of positive falsehood she became a genius of discord among them she fanned those flames of envy and jealousy which a wise true word from a third will often quench forever by a glance or a seemingly light reply she planted the seeds of dissension till there was scarce a peaceful affection or sincere intimacy in the circle where she lived and could not but rule for she was one whose nature was to that of the others as fire to clay it was at this time that i came to the school and first saw mariana me she charmed at once for i was a sentimental child who in my early ill health had been indulged in reading novels till i had no eyes for the common greens and browns of life the heroine of one of these the bandit's bride i immediately saw in mariana truly the bandit's bride had just such hair and such strange lively ways and such a sudden flash of the eye the bandit's bride too was born to be misunderstood by all but her lover but mariana i was determined should be more fortunate for until her lover appeared i myself would be the wise and delicate being who could understand her it was not however easy to approach her for this purpose did i offer to run and fetch her handkerchief she was obliged to go to her room and would rather do it herself she did not like to have people turn over for her the leaves of the music-book as she played did i approach my stool to her feet she moved away as if to give me room the bunch of wild flowers which i timidly laid beside her plate was left there after some weeks my desire to attract her notice really preyed upon me and one day meeting her alone in the entry i fell upon my knees and kissing her hand cried oh mariana do let me love you and try to love me a little but my idol snatched away her hand and laughing more wildly than the bandit's bride was ever described to have done ran into her room after that day her manner to me was not only cold but repulsive i felt myself scorned and became very unhappy perhaps four months had passed thus when one afternoon it became obvious that something more than common was brewing dismay and mystery were written in many faces of the older girls much whispering was going on in corners in the evening after prayers the principal bade us stay and in a grave sad voice summoned forth mariana to answer charges to be made against her mariana came forward and leaned against the chimney-piece eight of the older girls came forward and preferred against her charges alas too well founded of calumny and falsehood my heart sank within me 
as one after the other brought up their proofs, and I saw they were too strong to be resisted. I could not bear the thought of this second disgrace of my shining favorite. The first had been whispered to me, though the girls did not like to talk about it. I must confess, such is the charm of strength to softer natures, that neither of these crises could deprive Mariana of hers in my eyes. At first she defended herself with self-possession and eloquence, but when she found she could no more resist the truth, she suddenly threw herself down, dashing her head with all her force against the iron hearth, on which a fire was burning, and was taken up senseless. The affright of those present was great. Now that they had perhaps killed her, they reflected it would have been as well if they had taken warning from the former occasion, and approached very carefully a nature so capable of any extreme. After a while she revived, with a faint groan, amid the sobs of her companions. I was on my knees by the bed, and held her cold hand. One of those most aggrieved took it from me to beg her pardon, and say it was impossible not to love her. She made no reply. Neither that night, nor for several days, could a word be obtained from her, nor would she touch food. But, when it was presented to her, or any one drew near, for any cause, she merely turned away her head and gave no sign. The teacher saw that some terrible, nervous affection had fallen upon her, that she grew more and more feverish. She knew not what to do. Meanwhile, a new revolution had taken place in the mind of the passionate but nobly tempered child. All these months, nothing but the sense of injury had rankled in her heart. She had gone on in one mood, doing what the demon prompted, without scruple and without fear. But, at the moment of detection, the tide ebbed, and the bottom of her soul lay revealed to her eye. How black, how stained and sad! Strange, strange, that she had not seen before the baseness and cruelty of falsehood, the loveliness of truth. Now, amid the wreck, uprose the moral nature which never before had attained the ascendant. But, she thought, too late, sin is revealed to me in all its deformity, and sin defiled, I will not, cannot live. The mainspring of life is broken. And thus passed slowly by her hours in that black despair of which only youth is capable. In older years men suffer more dull pain as each sorrow that comes drops its leaden weight into the past, and, familiar features of character bringing similar results, draws up a heavy burden buried in those depths. But only youth has energy, with fixed, unwinking gaze, to contemplate grief, to hold it in the arms and to the heart, like a child which makes it wretched, yet it is undubitably its own. The lady who took charge of this sad child had never well understood her before, but had always looked on her with great tenderness, and now love seemed, when all around were in great distress, fearing to call in medical aid, fearing to do without it, to teach her where the only balm was to be found that could have healed this wounded spirit. One night she came in, bringing a calming draught. Mariana was sitting, as usual, her hair loose, 
her dress the same robe they had put on her at first her eyes fixed vacantly upon the whited wall to the proffers and entreaties of her nurse she made no reply the lady burst into tears but mariana did not seem even to observe it the lady then said oh my child do not despair do not think that one great fault can mar a whole life let me trust you let me tell you the griefs of my sad life i will tell to you mariana what i never expected to impart to any one and so she told her tale it was one of pain of shame born not for herself but for one near and dear as herself mariana knew the lady knew the pride and reserve of her nature she had often admired to see how the cheek lovely but no longer young mantled with the deepest blush of youth and the blue eyes were cast down at any little emotion she had understood the proud sensibility of the character she fixed her eyes on those now raised to hers bright with fast-falling tears she heard the story to the end and then without saying a word stretched out her hand for the cup she returned to life but it was as one who has passed through the valley of death the heart of stone was quite broken in her the fiery life fallen from flame to coal when her strength was a little restored she had all her companions summoned and said to them i deserved to die but a generous trust has called me back to life i will be worthy of it nor ever betray the truth nor resent injury more can you forgive the past and they not only forgave but with love and earnest tears clasped in their arms the returning sister they vied with one another in offices of humble love to the humbled one and let it be recorded as an instance of the pure honour of which young hearts are capable that these facts known to forty persons never so far as i know transpired beyond those walls it was not long after this that mariana was summoned home she went thither a wonderfully instructed being though in ways those who had sent her forth to learn little dreamed of never was forgotten the vow of the returning prodigal mariana could not resent could not play false the terrible crisis which she so early passed through probably prevented the world from hearing much of her a wild fire was tamed in that hour of penitence at the boarding-school such as has oftentimes wrapped court and camp in its destructive glow but great were the perils she had yet to undergo for she was one of those barks which easily get beyond soundings and ride not lightly on the plunging billow her return to her native climate seconded the effects of inward revolutions the cool airs of the north had exasperated nerves too susceptible for their tension those of the south restored her to a more soft and indolent state energy gave place to feeling turbulence to intensity of character at this time love was the natural guest and he came to her under a form that might have deluded one less ready for delusion sylvane was a person well proportioned to her lot in years family and fortune his personal beauty was not great but of a noble character repose marked his slow gesture and the steady gaze of his large brown eye 
but it was a repose that would give way to a blaze of energy when the occasion called in his stature expression and heavy colouring he might not unfairly be represented by the great magnolias that inhabit the forests of that climate his voice like everything about him was rich and soft rather than sweet or delicate mariana no sooner knew him than she loved and her love lovely as it was soon excited his but oh it is a curse to woman to love first or most in so doing she reverses the natural relations and her heart can never never be satisfied with what ensues mariana loved first and loved most for she had most force and variety to love with sylvain seemed at first to take her to himself as the deep southern night might have some fair star but it proved not so mariana was a very intellectual being and she needed companionship this she could only have with sylvain in the paths of passion and action thoughts he had none and little delicacy of sentiment the gifts she loved to prepare of such for him he took with a sweet but indolent smile he held them lightly and soon they fell from his grasp he loved to have her near him to feel the glow and fragrance of her nature but cared not to explore the little secret paths whence that fragrance was collected mariana knew not this for a long time loving so much she imagined all the rest and where she felt a blank always hoped that further communion would fill it up when she found this could never be that there was absolutely a whole province of her being to which nothing in his answered she was too deeply in love to leave him often after passing hours together beneath the southern moon when amid the sweet intoxication of mutual love she still felt the desolation of solitude and a repression of her finer powers she asked herself can i give him up but the heart always passionately answered no i may be miserable with him but i cannot live without him and the last miserable feeling of these conflicts was that if the lover soon to be the bosom friend could have dreamed of those conflicts he would have laughed or else been angry even enough to give her up ah weakness of the strong of these strong only where strength is weakness like others she had the decisions of life to make before she had light by which to make them let none condemn her those who have not erred as fatally should thank the guardian angel who gave them more time to prepare for judgment but blame no children who thought at arm's length to find the moon mariana with a heart capable of highest eros gave it to one who knew love only as a flower or plaything and bound her heartstrings to one who parted his as lightly as the ripe fruit leaves the bough the sequel could not fail many console themselves for the one great mistake with their children with the world this was not possible to mariana a few months of domestic life she was still almost happy but sylvain then grew tired he wanted business and the world of these she had no knowledge for them no faculties 
he wanted in her the head of his house she to make her heart his home no compromise was possible between natures of such unequal poise and which had met only on one or two points through all its stages she felt the agonizing sense of seeing love from passion melt into indifference the fearful shame that day by day burns onward still to burn to have thrown her precious heart away and met this black return till death at last closed the scene not that she died of one downright blow on the heart that is not the way such cases proceed i cannot detail all the symptoms for i was not there to watch them and aunt z was neither so faithful an observer or narrator as i have shown myself in the school-day passages but generally they were as follows sylvain wanted to go into the world or let it into his house mariana consented but with an unsatisfied heart and no lightness of character she played her part ill there the sort of talent and facility she had displayed in early days were not the least like what is called out in the social world by the desire to please and to shine her excitement had been muse-like that of the improvisatrice whose kindling fancy seeks to create an atmosphere round it and makes the chain through which to set free its electric sparks that had been a time of wild and exuberant life after her character became more tender and concentrated strong affection or a pure enthusiasm might still have called out beautiful talents in her but in the first she was utterly disappointed the second was not roused within her thought she did not expand into various life and remained unequal sometimes too passive sometimes too ardent and not sufficiently occupied with what occupied those around her to come on the same level with them and embellish their hours thus she lost ground daily with her husband who comparing her with the careless shining dames of society wondered why he had found her so charming in solitude at intervals when they were left alone mariana wanted to open her heart to tell the thoughts of her mind she was so conscious of secret riches within herself that sometimes it seemed could she but reveal a glimpse of them to the eye of sylvain he would be attracted near her again and take a path where they could walk hand in hand sylvain in these intervals wanted an indolent repose his home was his castle he wanted no scenes too exciting there light jousts and plays were well enough but no grave encounters he liked to lounge to sing to read to sleep in fine sylvain became the kind but preoccupied husband mariana the solitary and wretched wife he was off continually with his male companions on excursions or affairs of pleasure at home mariana found that neither her books nor music would console her she was of too strong a nature to yield without a struggle to so dull a fiend as despair she looked into other hearts seeking whether she could there find such home as an orphan asylum may afford this she did rather because the chance came to her and it seemed unfit not to seize the proffered plank than in hope for she was not one to double her stakes 
but rather with cassandra power to discern early the sure course of the game and cassandra whispered that she was one of those whom men love not but not regret and so it proved just as in her childish days though in a different form it happened betwixt her and these companions she could not be content to receive them quietly but was stimulated to throw herself too much into the tie into the hour till she filled it too full for them like fortunio who sought to do homage to his friends by building a fire of cinnamon not knowing that its perfume would be too strong for their endurance so did mariana what she wanted to tell they did not wish to hear a little had pleased so much overpowered and they preferred the free air of the street even to the cinnamon perfume of her palace however this did not signify had they stayed it would not have availed her it was a nobler road a higher aim she needed now this did not become clear to her she lost her appetite she fell sick had fever sylvain was alarmed nursed her tenderly she grew better then his care ceased he saw not the mind's disease but left her to rise into health and recover the tone of her spirits as she might more solitary than ever she tried to raise herself but she knew not yet enough the weight laid upon her young life was a little too heavy for it one long day she passed alone and the thoughts and presages came too thick for her strength she knew not what to do with them relapsed into fever and died notwithstanding this weakness i must ever think of her as a fine sample of womanhood born to shed light and life on some palace home had she known more of god and the universe she would not have given way where so many have conquered but peace be with her she now perhaps has entered into a larger freedom which is knowledge with her died a great interest in life to me since her i have never seen a bandit's bride she indeed turned out to be only a merchant's sylvain is married again to a fair and laughing girl who will not die probably till their marriage grows a golden marriage aunt z had with her some papers of mariana's which faintly shadow forth the thoughts that engaged her in the last days one of these seems to have been written when some faint gleam had been thrown across the path only to make its darkness more visible it seems to have been suggested by remembrance of the beautiful ballad helen of kirkconnell lee which once she loved to recite and in tones that would not have sent a chill to the heart from which it came death opens her sweet white arms and whispers peace come say thy sorrows in this bosom this will never close against thee and my heart though cold cannot be colder much than man's i wish i were where helen lies a lover in the times of old thus vents his grief in lonely sighs and hot tears from a bosom cold but mourner for thy martyred love couldst thou but know what hearts must feel where no sweet recollections move whose tears a desert fount reveal when in thy arms bird helen fell she died sad man she died for thee 
nor could the films of death dispel her loving eyes sweet radiancy thou wert beloved and she had loved till death alone the whole could tell death every shade of doubt removed and steeped the star in its cold well on some fond breast the parting soul relies earth has no more to give who wholly loves has known the whole the wholly loved doth truly live but some sad outcasts from this prize wither down to a lonely grave all hearts their hidden love despise and leave them to the whelming wave they heart to heart have never pressed nor hands in holy pledge have given by father's love were ne'er caressed nor in a mother's eye saw heaven a flowerless and fruitless tree a dried-up stream a mateless bird they live yet never living be they die their music all unheard i wish i were where helen lies for there i could not be alone but now when this dull body dies the spirit still will make its moan love passed me by nor touched my brow love would not yield one perfect boon and all too late it calls me now oh all too late and all too soon if thou couldst the dark riddle read which leaves this dart within my breast then might i think thou lovest indeed then were the whole to thee confessed father they will not take me home to the poor child no heart is free in sleet and snow all night i roam father was this decreed by thee i will not try another door to seek what i have never found now till the very last is o'er upon the earth i'll wander round i will not hear the treacherous call that bids me stay and rest awhile for i have found that one and all they seek me for a prey and spoil they are not bad i know it well i know they know not what they do they are the tools of the dread spell which the lost lover must pursue in temples sometimes she may rest in lonely groves away from men there bend the head by heats distressed nor be by blows awoke again nature is kind and god is kind and if she had not had a heart only that great discerning mind she might have acted well her part but oh this thirst that none can still save those unfounden waters free the angel of my life should fill and soothe me to eternity it marks the defect in the position of woman that one like mariana should have found reason to write thus to a man of equal power equal sincerity no more many resources would have presented themselves he would not have needed to seek he would have been called by life and not permitted to be quite wrecked through the affections only but such women as mariana are often lost unless they meet some man of sufficiently great soul to prize them van artevelde's elena though in her individual nature unlike my mariana is like her in a mind whose large impulses are disproportioned to the persons and occasions she meets and which carry her beyond those reserves which mark the appointed lot of woman but when she met van artevelde 
he was too great not to revere her rare nature without disregard to the stains and errors of its past history great enough to receive her entirely and make a new life for her man enough to be a lover but as such men come not so often as once an age their presence should not be absolutely needed to sustain life at chicago i read again philip van arteveld and certain passages in it will always be in my mind associated with the deep sound of the lake as heard in the night i used to read a short time at night and then open the blind to look out the moon would be full upon the lake and the calm breath pure light and the deep voice harmonized well with the thought of the flemish hero when will this country have such a man it is what she needs no thin idealist no coarse realist but a man whose eye reads the heavens while his feet step firmly on the ground and his hands are strong and dexterous for the use of human implements a man religious virtuous and sagacious a man of universal sympathies but self-possessed a man who knows the region of emotion though he is not its slave a man to whom this world is no mere spectacle or fleeting shadow but a great solemn game to be played with good heed for its stakes are of eternal value yet who if his own play be true heeds not what he loses by the falsehood of others a man who hives from the past yet knows that its honey can but moderately avail him whose comprehensive eye scans the present neither infatuated by its golden lures nor chilled by its many ventures who possesses prescience as the wise man must but not so far as to be driven mad to-day by the gift which discerns to-morrow when there is such a man for america the thought which urges her on will be expressed now that i am about to leave illinois feelings of regret and admiration come over me as in parting with a friend whom we have not had the good sense to prize and study while hours of association never perhaps to return were granted i have fixed my attention almost exclusively on the picturesque beauty of this region it was so new so inspiring but i ought to have been more interested in the housekeeping of this magnificent state in the education she is giving her children in their prospects illinois is at present a byword of reproach among the nations for the careless prodigal course by which in early youth she has endangered her honor but you cannot look about you there without seeing that there are resources abundant to retrieve and soon to retrieve far greater errors if they are only directed with wisdom might the simple maxim that honesty is the best policy be laid to heart might a sense of the true aims of life elevate the tone of politics and trade till public and private honor become identical might the western man in that crowded and exciting life which develops his faculties so fully for to-day not forget that better part which could not be taken from him might the western woman take that interest and acquire that light for the education of the children for which she alone has leisure this is indeed the great problem of the place and time if the next generation be well prepared for their work ambitious of good and skilful to achieve it 
the children of the present settlers may be leaven enough for the mass constantly increasing by emigration and how much is this needed where those rude foreigners can so little understand the best interests of the land they seek for bread and shelter it would be a happiness to aid in this good work and interweave the white and golden threads into the fate of illinois it would be a work worthy the devotion of any mind in the little that i saw was a large proportion of intelligence activity and kind feeling but if there was much serious laying to heart of the true purposes of life it did not appear in the tone of conversation having before me the illinois guide-book i find there mentioned as a visionary one of the men i should think of as able to be a truly valuable settler in a new and great country morris birkbeck of england since my return i have read his journey to and letters from illinois i see nothing promised there that will not surely belong to the man who knows how to seek for it mr birkbeck was an enlightened philanthropist the rather that he did not wish to sacrifice himself to his fellow-men but to benefit them with all he had and was and wished he thought all the creatures of a divine love ought to be happy and ought to be good and that his own soul and his own life were not less precious than those of others indeed that to keep these healthy was his only means of a healthy influence but his aims were altogether generous freedom the liberty of law not license not indolence work for himself and children and all men but under genial and poetic influences these were his aims how different from those of the new settlers in general and into his mind so long ago shone steadily the two thoughts now prevalent in thinking and aspiring minds of resist not evil and every man his own priest and the heart the only true church he has lost credit for sagacity from accidental circumstances it does not appear that his position was ill-chosen or his means disproportioned to his ends had he been sustained by funds from england as he had a right to expect but through the profligacy of a near relative commissioned to collect these dues he was disappointed of them and his paper protested and credit destroyed in our cities before he became aware of his danger still though more slowly and with more difficulty he might have succeeded in his designs the english farmer might have made the english settlement a model for good methods and good aims to all that region had not death prematurely cut short his plans i have wished to say these few words because the veneration with which i have been inspired for his character by those who knew him well makes me impatient of this careless blame being passed from mouth to mouth and book to book success is no test of a man's endeavour and illinois will yet i hope regard this man who knew so well what ought to be as one of her true patriarchs the abraham of a promised land he was one too much before his time to be soon valued but the time is growing up to him and will understand his mild philanthropy and clear large views i subjoin the account of his death given me by a friend 
as expressing in fair picture the character of the man mr birkbeck was returning from the seat of government whither he had been on public business and was accompanied by his son bradford a youth of sixteen or eighteen it was necessary to cross a ford which was rendered difficult by the swelling of the stream mr b's horse was unwilling to plunge into the water so his son offered to go first and he followed bradford's horse had just gained footing on the opposite shore when he looked back and perceived his father was dismounted struggling in the water and carried down by the current mr birkbeck could not swim bradford could so he dismounted and plunged into the stream to save his father he got to him before he sank held him up above water and told him to take hold of his collar and he would swim ashore with him mr b did so and bradford exerted all his strength to stem the current and reach the shore at a point where they could land but encumbered by his own clothing and his father's weight he made no progress and when mr b perceived this he with his characteristic calmness and resolution gave up his hold of his son and motioning to him to save himself resigned himself to his fate his son reached the shore but was too much overwhelmed by his loss to leave it he was found by some travellers many hours after seated on the margin of the stream with his head in his hands stupefied with grief the body was found and on the countenance was the sweetest smile and bradford said just so he smiled upon me when he let go and pushed me away from him many men can choose the right and best on a great occasion but not many can with such ready and serene decision lay aside even life when it is right and best this little narrative touched my imagination in very early youth and often has come up in lonely vision that face serenely smiling above the current which bore him away to another realm of being End of chapter 4